All right, FOIA Follies. What are we looking at, Sam? This week, we will be talking about why FOIA sucks, or at least why it's not sufficient. Exemption 7D, which allows law enforcement agencies to deny records that, quote, could reasonably be expected to disclose the identity of a confidential source or information furnished by a confidential source the snitch exemption to FOIA. The matter came up this week because one of the rare regular open hearings before the House Intelligence Committee, a lawmaker brought up the case of Shahed Hussein, an upstate New York FBI informant tied to egregious war on terror civil rights abuses. As journalist Ben Ryder Howe put it earlier this year for New York Magazine, The cases that Hussein was involved in, quote, were legal landmarks in the war on terror, helping establish the legitimacy of secret evidence, warrantless wiretapping, and the government's practice of inventing terror plots to entrap ordinary Americans with no prior connection to violent Islamic groups. Hussein first became an informant in the post-9-11 era, as the FBI terrorized Muslim communities around the country by sending snitches, usually petty criminals, to mosques to get members on tape expressing an interest in waging holy war. At the strong urging of these informants, Hussein started working for the Bureau after getting arrested for allegedly taking part in an identity fraud ring, which he then promptly snitched on. His first major terror case involved an Albany mosque, and the only one who expressed an interest in terrorism was Hussein himself. He tried to get an imam, Yasin Aref, and a Bangladeshi pizzeria pizzeria owner to express their admiration for Osama, Osama bin Laden and suicide bombing. They didn't. Hussein didn't even record the conversation, but this still led to the two men getting arrested. For New York Mag, quote, Neither Aref nor the pizza owner ever reported Hussein or his jihadi bombast to law enforcement. The government deemed that this was itself an indication of wrongdoing. The men had failed a test, as a prosecutor put it, and in 2004, the Justice Department charged them with a range of crimes, including money laundering in support of terrorism. Aref, uh, for the record, he his English proficiency was sketchy at the time. It's not even clear he really understood half the things that Hussein was telling him. To put a cherry on top, the case was also allegedly built on warrantless NSA wiretapping. Nevertheless, a jury convicted the two men largely on Hussein's testimony. The next major case involved the so-called Newberg Four, Starting in 2008, Hussein entrapped four troubled black Muslims in the upstate town of Newburgh. The the men had zero military capabilities or radical tendencies. The plot involved an attack on a military airplane and two synagogues. And Hussein got the men enmeshed in this uh, conspiracy by basically offering them a shit ton of money. Hundreds of thousands of dollars, in fact. The men were convicted in 2010 in a huge victory for FBI agents and federal prosecutors looking to use informants to entrap criminal defendants in conspiracies concocted 100% by the United States government. 
This, of course, is not why Shahed Hussein was the subject of discussion this week before the House Intel Committee, which very plainly doesn't give a shit about Muslims getting framed with terrorist conspiracies. Shahed Hussein came up because he also owned a limousine service that was constantly failing state inspections, but somehow getting its rickety vehicles back on the road without a problem. That is, until a 2018 accident involving one of Hussein's SUVs turned into a stretch limo, killed 20 people. Jesus. Yeah. It's very gruesome. I don't remember that. You know, it was during the Trump era when so many headlines seemed to fall by the wayside because there was just barrage after, you know, barrage of news stories. Anyway, many suspect that Hussein's company was allowed to flagrantly violate the law until this massacre of an accident because of his status as an FBI rat. He uh, appeared to be motivated in becoming a rat by mobster-like protection from the FBI. By the way, a lot of FBI informants are motivated by riches, but Hussein was already quite wealthy uh, before he became an informant. To quote Ben Howe's article on this one last time, delivering headline-generating terror convictions put the American government in his debt and gave Hussein something priceless, a sense that he did not have to answer to the law. Few in power are willing to discuss Shahid and Nauman Hussein, Shahid's son. One of the sources who did when I began to call around last winter speculated that the family belongs to a class beyond the reach of law enforcement whose leverage confers something close to impunity. This finally brings us back to the Intelligence Committee. Republican New York Congresswoman Elise Stefanik brought up the Hussein case this week with FBI Director Christopher Wray asking Ray if the Bureau allows informants to break the law for reasons totally unrelated to the cases they're working. Uh, Here is how that exchange went, and note that Ray does not immediately answer the question with a simple no. Once a relationship is established with an informant, does the FBI allow an informant to engage in criminal behavior that is not related to the case, in this case the anti-terrorism cases, or investigations that they are informing on, yes or no? Uh, There are very specific uh, and somewhat detailed and lengthy uh, policies and guidelines that govern how we use our Correct, the confidential informant union. Yes, if you. I I think the answer to that question basically requires going into some depth uh, about those policies and guidelines. Um, And in addition, over the last couple of years, uh, we've made very significant changes, separate and apart from anything to do with this matter, uh, involving our confidential human source program, um, and we'd be happy to have somebody brief you on some of those changes because uh, they're quite significant. Ray also said that he was somewhat familiar with the Hussein case, and Stefanik then pressed him specifically about the matter. In this case of Shahed Hussein, this is the informant, was the FBI aware that his company, Prestige Limo, repeatedly violated New York State transportation laws while he was an informant? Because I know that you're required to do that as part of the confidential informant unit. So what I would say is uh, my heart aches for those families, uh, and I feel horrible about what's happened to them. Um, I would say as to the specifics of this particular individual, partly because I don't know all the details, 
and partly because I have to tread very carefully whenever we start talking about somebody's a source or not a source and when they were a source and what they were doing as a source and that kind of thing, I, I really need to make sure that any information we provide with you uh, is consistent with policy but also is accurate. And what Ray means there when he says consistent with policy is that the feds can tell lawmakers looking for records about informants to fuck off. Basically, no, absolutely not. That's what the FBI did to Democratic New York Congressman Mike Tonko, according to a report by the Albany Times Union after the hearing. Tonko asked for information about how Hussein was allowed to illegally run his limousine service and was told in a letter sent by the Bureau on February 18th, quote, the FBI does not comment on, confirm, or deny the existence of current or past relationships with confidential human sources. It's that, that, that good democratic oversight that we all crave. Stefanik noted that she was willing to subpoena the FBI to turn over records related to this case because evidently the Bureau isn't just able to thumb its nose at FOIA requests involving informants, it can do it to congressional requests too. Now that said, of course, to get a subpoena, there needs to be a majority of the House Intelligence Committee willing to uh, vote for one, and also uh, the chair has to allow it to come to a vote. And as we know from our experience uh, observing Congress, a lot of the lawmakers who make it to this committee are on the Intelligence Committee because of their subservience, because they aren't willing to rock the boat too much. There's about uh, approximately one congressperson on both House and Senate Intel Committees who does this. It's Ron Wyden. Anyway, there is zero chance of me getting Hussein's files as for the uh, confidential human source guidelines, well, The Intercept actually published them in 2017. They revealed that the Bureau can investigate potential informants before even trying to onboard them, which is a pretty big loophole in terms of who the Bureau can target to try to dig up dirt on them. The guidelines also said that the Bureau can recruit minors and journalists and lawyers and members of the clergy uh, the, the latter three being professions that are often associated with confidentiality, and they can also recruit while undercover. Anyway, for this week's FOIA request, I'm, I'm just going to go uh, for a little lower-hanging fruit. I'm, I'm going to ask the Bureau for records related to the letter that it sent uh, Tonko on February 18th. You know, even if this request doesn't yield anything, I think this is definitely a subject worth discussing. The Hussein case is, of course, far from the only story involving a federal informant. Perhaps the biggest such story in the past 10 years, though the Bureau denies this, involves Boston Marathon bomber Tamerlan Tsarnaev. There's, circum there's circumstantial evidence that Tsarnaev worked for the Bureau. He was allowed to travel to Russia and back in 2012 after being put on two terror watch lists after Russian intelligence reached out to the CIA and FBI about Tsarnaev. And uh, when Tsarnaev was in Russia, according to journalist Mc Michelle McPhee, high-level targets who met with him or spoke with him in Dagestan uh, were assassinated by Russian security forces. Last week, the Supreme Court reinstated the death sentence imposed on Jahar Tsarnaev, Tamerlan's younger brother. During his trial, lawyers for Jahar tried to argue that Tamerlan worked for the FBI to mitigate uh, the punishment 
prosecutor said that the defense had no evidence, and as we now know, the harshest possible sentence was imposed and upheld. Tamerlan, of course, can't talk about his relationship with the Bureau. He's dead. He was killed in the manhunt for the Sarnayev brothers in the days after the Marathon bomb. But there is another case involving Boston that the FBI cannot deny or remain tight-lipped about, and that is uh, mobster Whitey Bulger, who was an FBI informant for decades and committed numerous murders while working for the Bureau. Sometimes forgotten that that Johar himself like could have easily been killed. They shot up that boat he was in as though they wanted him dead. You know, it was kind of a miracle he himself wasn't killed too in the uh, in his uh, arrest. True. Um, you know, I was even thinking like maybe we should write letters to him in prison about this, but uh, also uh, I'm not sure I want that knock on the door. <laughs> Yeah, that's that, that's that's not a knock on the door. That's more like your uh, your car is hacked while you're driving on the highway. <laughs> anyway, these are uh, some of the cases that we know about. There's also the case of David Headley, a one-time FBI informant who was convicted for his role in the 2008 Mumbai terrorist attacks in India, of course. As ProPublica noted in 2013, quote, U.S. and foreign officials say his role as an informant or ex-informant helped him elude detection as he was training in Pakistani terror camps and traveling back and forth to Mumbai to scout targets. The exact number of FBI informants is unknown, but recent reports have put the number at around 15,000. Agency snitches were paid almost $300 million between 2012 and 2018, and between 2011 and 2014, the Bureau authorized its informants to commit 22,823, quote-unquote, otherwise illegal activities. Even if informants weren't given the license to be above the law, the sprawling nature of this program is itself perverse. It effectively creates a parallel law enforcement agency that can operate without being constrained by the Bill of Rights dastardly stuff anyway for more on the hussein case please please read the ben Ryder howe piece in new york mag the skahari limo crash and the fbi informant behind it also check out coverage of the tragedy in the albany times union by larry rullison one more item of business in this week's foia follies a much lighter note uh, so NASA got back to me very quickly about my request on uh, Elon Musk tweeting that uh, Justin Trudeau is basically Hitler. <laughs> A FOIA officer from the agency called me up and helped me narrow my search for records. He strongly advised that I uh, leave out Elon or Musk or SpaceX because obviously the agency has a lot of business uh, with the company, with Elon Musk. And I was only interested in the Hitler tweet. So, uh, <laughs> I, by the way, I was I kept on laughing uh, during this phone call. I, I don't know how he took that, but this whole shit's just ridiculous. Anyway, um, so I asked for emails and attachments with the word Hitler from various NASA officials. One responsive record, it turned up, 
this was an email that was sent out. Um, I don't know to how many NASA employees, but it was, it, you know, it was one of those emails blasted around the office. Uh, it was, um, it was an attachment called resources for resilience, happiness and regulating stress and emotions. And it included a section called inspiring reads, which touted a book called the winter fortress by Neil Bascom and the description uh, in the attachment said, quote, brave Norwegian partisans sabotage Hitler's plans for an atomic bomb. Not what we're looking so, for. Not what we were looking for, no. So, but, so the takeaway is that NASA officials probably weren't frantically emailing each other about Musk's tweets. Or at least not that frankly, tweet. quite frankly, is disappointing. Yeah, very much so. It would have been nice to... Uh, be able to break a story like that it's been a big week for musk uh, we learned that he and grimes had a secret second baby that also has an unpronounceable unpronounceable name and uh, we also learned that uh, grimes is dating chelsea manning good for them great great week for chelsea manning and not a great week for chelsea fc so no this is um yeah I wonder if it's a zero-sum nice game between the two. Definitely a step up for Grimes. Yes. Okay. That's it? That's it for FOIA Follies? That's a That's lot. That's it. That's, you've done enough. You've done enough. <laughs>